0: Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Here ends the Old Testament reading.
1: And as uh, Ben suggested, that is a great prayer with which to approach God's word. So can I can encourage you to uh, pick up a copy of the Bible from uh, the pocket of the seat in front of you. And uh, open up Deuteronomy chapter 8 as we ask God to speak and change us. By his word, And as you do that, let me ask you a question. How good are you at remembering things? Well, last summer, as my family and I sat down for dinner on the first day of our summer holiday in sunny Scotland, I became faintly aware of the sound of running water. And as I wondered to myself in slightly bemused fashion where on earth it could possibly be coming from, it came to me. The bath. The bath that I had left running some 30 minutes previously. I sprang from the table like a scalded cat and got up the stairs in one single bound, or so it seemed to me. And sure enough, the bath was full to overflowing. And it looked like you could have a right good paddle on the floor too. So I turned the water off and pulled the plug out and I started frantically trying to bail the water off the floor back into the bath, into the toilet and sink anywhere. And just as I thought I had won and was scooping the last bowl full up, I heard the almost almighty whoosh underneath my feet like an avalanche as the kitchen ceiling caved in. And as I rushed back downstairs and we surveyed the carnage that I had created, we stood back for a second to just think, "Ah, what a terrible start this is to a holiday. Until we noticed my oldest daughter taking selfies. (laughs) off the scene, and heard my uh, eight-year-old boy exclaim with glee, this is epic! (laughs) Remembering is so important, folks, isn't it? (laughs) And forgetting can be so, so costly. So let me ask you again. How good are you at remembering? I mean, think about it. Have you ever forgotten someone's name? Probably. Or a birthday, or an anniversary? your PIN number for your bank card, where your bank card even is, let alone your keys or your glasses, probably on the top of your head. That's the glasses, not the keys. It's ridiculous, isn't it? We can forget some pretty important stuff, which is why this first anniversary of this new church of St. Joseph's being open, we need to take time to remember everything that God has done for us so far. And don't worry, if you haven't been involved here over the last year, can I just say it is great that you were here with us this morning. And the message I believe God wants us to hear is the same whoever we are. And it's this. Whatever you do, be careful not to forget the Lord your God. I mean, we saw that in the Bible reading from Deuteronomy 8 we had earlier on the service, didn't we? As we find there, Moses is preaching one of his last sermons to God's people. And there are people who are living on the edge. They've just spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And now they are on the edge of the wonderful land that God has promised them as their new home. All those years ago. And do you see in verse 1? They are getting ready to go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And as they prepare to go in, Moses says, look back and look forward. And as you do that, be careful to give unstinting loyalty to the God who got you this far and gives you everything. And it's good for us to be reminded, even on a day of celebration like this, that we are all living life on the edge. I mean we're all in transition aren't we so you could be on the edge of something terrific perhaps a wonderful relationship a a dream job or an unexpected windfall or you could be on the edge of some tragedy we've seen that as a church and as individuals over the course of this last year there have been many joys and encouragements there has been so much to give thanks for but there's also been much struggle and sorrow or wherever we find ourselves this morning as we look back, I'm hoping that the three lessons that the Israelites learned here from Moses are going to be equally helpful for us too, so that we don't forget the Lord our God. So here's the first one. There is something that God wants to learn about us. And as I say that, I know that some of you will be thinking, oh, hold on, but but doesn't God know everything? Well, of course he does. But Deuteronomy 8 tells us that the desert experience of God's people was still somehow a learning experience for God. Have a look, will you, at verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know. What does he want to know? What does he want to learn? To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. God wants to know what's in your heart. That's what he wants to know. And I want to say this morning that every human heart is pointing in one of two directions. It's either pointing in loyalty to God. The God who made the universe. Or it is turned away from him. I mean, we like to think there is some kind of neutral third place, don't we? But there isn't. The Bible tells us there's only two. And according to Moses, the purpose of the desert, those tough times when it was hard to keep going, was because God wanted to know what was in their hearts. He wanted to know whether they would be loyal to him in the desert, in the failed exam or job interview, in the broken relationship, in the chronic illness, in the bereavement. In the broken dream or the profound disappointment, God wants to know where your heart is. Is it for Him or is it fixed against Him? You see, it's tremendously easy to seem Christian in the good times. Any of us can look like we're following God when life is just a dream. But it's only when we suffer, it's only when things get hard, it's only when there is nothing in it for us to be a believer when it is revealed whether we truly trust God or not. There is a purpose in the tough times. So Moses says, look, those 40 years in the wilderness, they were not a waste. It's the hard times that reveal the heart. Folks, can you maybe see that in your own lives? For us as a church, as individuals, the hard times are given to us to test our hearts, and make sure that we don't just start treating God like some heavenly vending machine. You know how a vending machine works, don't you? Uh, My brother and I absolutely used to love vending machines when we were kids. We would go swimming with my dad once a week. um, And after swimming, my dad would give us each 20 pence, 20 whole pence uh, to spend in the vending machine of wonder. The excitement that filled our tiny little minds as we stood before that big metal box of delights was palpable as we tried to decide what to do with our precious 20 p's, Would it be a packet of quavers? Or some space invaders? Maybe a curly-whirly? Or perhaps we could get two things? A Freddo and a packet of polos? Ah, I mean, it was the best part of our week. But you know how a vending machine works, don't you? You put your money in, you make your selection, and then you get what you want. And folks, I think that's so often how we treat God, isn't it? We come to him with our good deeds, and we present them as proof of our worthiness. And then we select what we want from him and what we think we so rightly deserve. Go on, God, give me another gift, and another gift, and another gift. And then when he doesn't deliver, We're furious with him, banging on the side of the machine, wanting our money back. But what Moses is telling us here is that God sometimes deprives us of blessing for our own good. Joni Erickson Tadda, who's a remarkable Christian lady, some of you I'm sure will know her story. She was left paralyzed from the shoulders down after a swimming accident. And she once said, sometimes God allows that which he hates To accomplish what he loves. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I'm getting what I want and things are easy, I can persuade myself that I am a paragon of virtue. (laughs) But put me under pressure, give me a little sleep, a tight bank account, a parent with ailing health or whatever it is. And the twistedness of my heart suddenly starts to emerge. And my God and I begin to see what I'm really like (laughs) and where I am with him. And that's actually really helpful for me. The hard time, the desert time is like a mirror. There are mirrors revealing where I am with that fundamental key Bible commandment. A couple of chapters earlier in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And not as a vending machine. So God has something he wants to learn about each one of us. But secondly, God also has something he wants to teach us. Take a look at verses 11 to 13. Here in the UK, we've eaten our fill. We've built fine houses, our herds, our flocks, our gadgets, our plasma screens, our iPads and our iPods and our iPhones and our clothes racks and our cars and our holidays in the suns have all multiplied. Our silver, our gold, our bank balances, our investments, generally speaking, all that we have, for most of us, has multiplied. And verse 17 could be our theme tune, couldn't it? My power... And the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. It's so easy to ourselves as everyone does. I deserve this. I've worked hard enough or I've been clever enough to manage things, to produce my success. i have to say, after a year like we've had here at St. Joseph's, it would be easy for us to do this as a church too. To look around and see this wonderfully renovated building full of people, and and producing a, a birthday news leaflet with lots of people saying really nice things about us. And to think, look at us. We did this. And we'll continue to do it. But that's the Bart Simpson view of life, isn't it? I don't know if you watch The Simpsons, but there's one episode in which Bart is asked to give thanks for the food before dinner. And so everybody in the... Simpson household bows their heads and Bart prays this, he prays, Dear God, we've paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. (laughs) Do you see? Do you see the great danger Moses is warning us of here? Of thinking that it's our power and our strength that's done it. If the times of hardship reveal whether we have forgotten or given up on God, it's the times of blessing when we decide to do that. As it's in those times we get complacent and we just drift from him and we very quickly forget about him and just get on with enjoying his gifts so in a sense blessing needs to come well like a cigarette packet with a health warning a spiritual health warning blessing can seriously endanger your spiritual health do you see folks a good exam result a promotion a salary rise, a a loving relationship Uh, the, The establishment and the growth of a new church should all come with a text saying, blessing can seriously endanger your spiritual health. As it can make us think that we don't need God anymore. Well, whenever we find ourselves thinking like that, we need to burn onto our minds verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you power to get wealth any ability, skill, or advantage you have that helps you succeed is a gift from God. In fact, everything we have is a gift from God. It's deluded to think anything otherwise. Isn't this what Moses has been encouraging the people to remember about the Lord throughout this chapter? That they have been and will continue to be utterly dependent on God. So verse 3 and 16, he fed them. Verse 4, he clothed them verse 15 he led them they did not go through that desert on their own he was with them through the hard times every step of the way like he always is verse 18 again he protects from snakes scorpions dehydration who knows what worse things could have happened if god had not been with them protecting them along the way but more than all that he rescued them in the first place do you see verse 14 take care Lest you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. And while the people of Moses' day were slaves in Egypt. And were rescued from there. The Bible teaches us that we too are slaves. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Slaves to our own sin. Slaves to death. The ultimate fact. Slaves to the devil. And the Bible also tells us, though, that Jesus' death on the cross is our rescue from that slavery. He is our Savior. I was thinking about this week and I came across the story of Tony Bullimore, who apparently is a famous sailor. I'd never heard of him. I don't know if anyone has heard of him here. But he was competing a number of years back in the Vendée Globe, single handed around the world uh, yacht race, when his boat, capsized in the middle of nowhere. And it took the Australian Navy five whole days under kind of full power to get to him and find him, like the proverbial needle in the haystack that he was. And at great cost and huge risk to themselves in the end, they rescued him. Until a few years later, he capsized again off the coast of Australia and had to be rescued yet again. But I discovered that you can now book him for after-dinner speeches, inspiring speeches on how to be a survivor in life. (laughs) It was fascinating to read his online profile and basically discover that he is now the hero of this story. The way he got the distress signal out, the way he rationed his chocolate and his water. What a survivor! And though his calm and cool thinking under pressure is commendable, without the rescue, He was dead, literally dead in the water. I reckon there's a danger for us in life like that too. We fail to remember not only the daily gifts of food and water, roof over our head that God gives us, but we fail to remember that he has rescued us and that it's Christ's rescue on the cross that is the only reason that we can now have a relationship with him and be a Christian. And it's only rooting ourselves in and remembering that rescue through which we can progress and grow as a Christian. I am not the hero of the story. He is the rescuer. We have so much to thank God God for, don't we? We have so much to thank God for. So I wonder what your strategy for Thanksgiving is this morning. I mean, we all need one. To keep our feet on the ground. To heed Moses' warning and keep ourselves from falling into the temptation to see God's gifts as our rights, so that he put himself in his rightful place as the hero of the story. Well, I was very struck to read these words this week. What would happen if tomorrow God were to take away from you everything that you haven't thanked him for today? Ever thought about that? What would happen if God tomorrow were to take away from you everything that you haven't thanked him for today? Or can I suggest that we all kneel by our beds before we get into them tonight and give thanks to him in the light of that? Well, I must draw to a close. So let me thirdly and very briefly uh, give you this final point. There is something that God is determined to do for us. And I just love this. This is this is just wonderful. As verse 16, have a look back at that. He humbles, God humbles and tests you, but for what purpose? Do you see? To do you good in the end. And I mean, think about who, who God is actually saying this to. Do you think that these people, as they're about to enter the promised land, do you think they passed the heart test of verse two? I mean, remember verse two? How do you think these guys did on the heart test from there? So God takes them through the tough times to see what's in their heart. And it's revealed. And did God then stand in front of the, this generation, in front of Moab, Moses and everybody on the plains of Moab, and say, huh, well, I can just see that you are a good and loyal people. So unlike your parents. Oh, yeah, I can see it. I can see that you can now enter the promised land, and it's because of the wonderful things you do and <laughs> are. No! Folks, this generation were just like us. They were a generation of grumblers. They will soon forget God. I mean, the warning signs were there again and again for them. But they will soon forget him in the land of plenty. But nevertheless, despite the fact God knows this, we have in verse 7 this promise. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. And verse 10 you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. It's incredible, isn't it? God takes a people he cannot safely bless, who he cannot trust, who are just like us, and yet he still commits to do them good in the end. What a great God! What a generous God. Do you believe that of God? That the life He leads you through on the way to heaven is a life He gives you because He is committed to ultimately doing you good in the end. That He humbles and tests you because He loves you and He cares for you. That He gives you each breath. There it is. And provides for your daily needs because He's so abundantly generous. And that one day he will take you home to be with him forever in the perfect world we call heaven. Well, as we look back as a church at the trials and the blessings of last year, and we look forward to what comes next, I don't know about you, but I'm in. I'm in. What I can't believe is that God continues. To have mercy and patience and be generous to me. It's just staggering that he is so unrelentingly generous to me. And so I trust him. And I commend him to you also. And encourage you to do likewise. Why don't we take a moment uh, in quiet to pray in response to that.